We're hitting the tables in Macau on this Consumer Goods Edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Tuesday, April 12, 2016, and joining me in studio is Vince. I'm at the tail end of a cold shen. How's it going, man? Feeling any better? Drinking lots of clear liquids? Yeah, I'm feeling a little better. Uh, thanks for asking. You sound it, good. Yeah. Sound okay. Hopefully I don't get into a coughing fit in the middle of the show. Of course not. Uh, well, you've got your water next to you, if you so anyway. Um, so we're talking... It's been a while. When did we do that Sin Stocks week? We are just talking to... Founder of the Fool, David Gardner, about it. I was trying to remember when. Was that like our first series a year ago? Or I will say that I do recall that probably being the first you know series of shows that we did, yeah. where it wasn't like a week to week news kind of topic. And maybe it was last summer. Anyway, sooner earlier than that, I think oh, it's about think? a year ago at this point. Oh wow! It wasn't that uh, long after I just started joining yeah. you on the IF. Wow! Happy anniversary, Vince. <laughs> there you go. Um, so we're we're not talking specifically um, uh, broadly gaming or anything. We're actually just talking about Macau. Yes. Um, now that being said, you're talking about largest gambling mecca on planet Earth. I mean, it's what were you saying? Even after the drop that they've experienced, in the even last now few years, it's, it's multiples the size of Las Vegas, the Strip. Right. And you know, as much as within the U.S., I think a lot of people. When you think of, <clears throat> excuse me, the... Well, it's know, very easy to go to Vegas and get just a sensory overload and multiply that by five, and that's Macau. Or seven, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, definitely a, a gambling paradise. Very, very, you know, it's definitely a place where people generally beforehand, especially now they've begun this shift, right? Where the Chinese government has basically said, you need to diversify your economy a little bit and uh, bring in more family entertainment, things along those lines. You know, previously it was very much so a gambling-focused uh, mar- economy and market. Um, so, how much money trades hands in Macau? Did you come across that at all? Sure. So, uh, just to give listeners a little bit of context, you know, we know that since about uh, June 2014, Macau has struggled, and that was after 10 plus years of incredible growth. I think it's uh, Macau surpassed Vegas as the largest. Uh, gambling, you know, call it enclave market or whatever market yeah. in about 2007, and it, you know the growth just just kept ramping up until 2014, and then there was the government kind of crackdown on uh, corruption and luxury spending, which have sent the market. I think it's 22 straight months now. There have been year uh, year over year declines in gaming revenue in Macau. Wow! So to give you an idea, you know, 2010. Uh, the overall total gaming revenue was about one hundred eighty-eight point uh, three um, billion patakas. Exchange rates about eight uh, patakas to one U.S. dollar. So that's about twenty-three and a half billion dollars. Uh, you know, 2013 it peaked at about forty-five billion, and in twenty fifteen it's fallen back down to to about twenty-nine billion dollars. So you can see how significant the amount that they've lost in terms of gaming revenue in the past two years is far more than. You know the Vegas season entire year, just how much they've lost. Right. So, um, did you? You've never been, have you? I went to Hong Kong when I was in China in two thousand nine. You've never been. Not to too. Macau. You're not too far across the water, but no, I was in Singapore where I was able to see the Marina Bay Sands mm-hmm. and uh, you know what uh, Las Vegas Sands has there. But unfortunately, I did not make it yeah. to Macau because that would have been an incredible experience. Even now, especially because, and this is another reason why I wanted to talk about Macau today, was there are some 
huge new luxury resorts coming up uh, from several of the major players there, including MGM, uh, Las Vegas Sands, who, we'll talk, who we will be talking about, uh, Wynn Resorts, and others. Yeah, no, and it was, uh, before we move on, I just wanted to, it's kind of, it was always interesting to me how, um, you know, Las Vegas was just this, like, desert stopover thing that just popped up after World War II, and, and of course the mafia got involved and all that good stuff, but Macau, I mean, it was designed by the People's Republic of China to be a gaming mecca, and it's just this island just south of the uh, the island of Hong Kong that's it is actually trickier to get to because I had flirted with the idea of getting over there but I think I would have had to show my passport again on the ferry and all this stuff but in any case it's just it was always interesting to me how how planned and clearly the purpose was to be this enormous mecca well yeah the moment the moment they lifted that monopoly on who can operate the casinos the amount of foreign investment that went into the area and nuts. just like that you have now, what is still a massive market? What um, what are the, did you come across? Um, I wish I knew this off the top of my head. What are the biggest games there? Uh, well, of course, I actually have a, a little bit of breakdown I can share with you. Um, so, uh, as I gave you the total gaming numbers, but just to give you uh, an idea, VIP backrat. So that you know, we're talking about, you know, the VIP clientele, so high net worth individuals, is still by far the biggest game, even though it's lost its share. So in 2010. Uh, it made up uh, VIP backrot made about made up about seventy two percent of total gaming revenue, mm-hmm. but that share has fallen down to like fifty five percent as of twenty fifteen. And again, that is going to have to do obviously with a bit of the crackdown that I mentioned earlier. But if you go down market slightly to you know normal more mass market or premium mass market backrot, you know that was at about eighteen point five percent in twenty ten, and its share has grown to about a third. In 2015, so the game is still by far the most popular, for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, number three is actually slots, and it only has, as of 2015, about a five percent share of gaming revenue there. So those two table games are by far the most popular. The penny slots are just not doing it. No. Okay. Well, before we move on, I wanted to point to our listeners the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. Um, as I've mentioned in the past, all Loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Just go to Focus.Fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is Focus.Fool.com. Um, so, Vince, the coup de grace, the new casinos that are opening up in this area. Yes. Um, this has actually been a long time coming, and is anybody nervous? Because from what I could tell, you know, they, they're all gung-ho, they're opening these casinos, all this stuff. Um, does anybody think that the timing is a little bad? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of these pro- the timing uh, when a lot of these projects broke ground. It was did, the heyday. Exactly. It was awesome. Um, so, you know, are a lot of these developers and these operators facing a ton of uncertainty right now in terms of the fact that they have a lot of new supply coming in, not only in table games, but slots and also hotel rooms. Uh, And so, absolutely, lots of uncertainty. But a lot of people right now who are more bullish in terms of the... Up, you know the near-term prospects. They think, mm. for example, February. You know, I was talking about the 22 months of declines. A lot of the, you know, most of them have been double-digit for the past year, year and a half. But February was a bright spot. It was a uh, year-over-year decline was only about uh, 10 basis points. 
Oh, so it's like a fraction of, yeah. And uh, they they happen to get a lot more traffic because of the Chinese New Year. And so people saw that as a really positive sign. A lot of the stocks have done well uh, since Fre- the beginning of February mm-hmm. uh, as a result because, you know, ga- these gaming companies had seen their shares trade down 75%. Yeah, whenever you mention um, basically gaming in Southeast Asia, you, you pretty much always come across um, uh, that Melco Crown Resorts. And they're in, correct me if I'm wrong, they're in Singapore too, right? No, they are in Macau and in Philippines. Oh, in the Philippines. I'm sorry. That's actually what I was thinking. Anyway, um, but they own 60% of that new one that's opening up in Macau, the Studio City place. So Studio City opened its doors in last October. Uh, okay. Huge event. Uh, they even spent, I think it was like $70 million on a short film with Scorsese, De Niro, DiCaprio, and Brad Pitt. To just it was like a seventeen minute. Was it an Ocean's Eleven ripoff or uh, something? It was just a marketing film about the opening of the of the resort, and so I kind of need to see this. Uh, <laughs> the resort looks incredible. It's it was a three point two billion dollar project from the company, um, and keep in mind that Melco Crown their stock is down about fifty six percent since that downturn began began in June twenty fourteen. Uh, so, uh, Studio City has 1,600 guest rooms between its two like separate towers, and they here is where we're kind of seeing how the strategic focus of these companies is shifting to uh, accommodate the fact that you know a lot of their VIP customers are no longer making it. Uh, yeah, they're no no longer dropping as much cash on the tables. So, for example, you have you know one tower of hotel the hotel is celebrity tower meets more so like a broad swath of customers and then they have the star tower which is these bigger suites much more so for the luxury clientele again so they're kind of splitting that in order to accommodate both market both ends of the market so to speak and then uh you know another thing fact is you know right now they only have 250 gaming tables and about uh 1200 slot machines which is you know not that much compared to their other properties so this is kind of um where China seems to want Macau to go, and that's definitely where it's going, which is having more entertainment, more family-friendly stuff, all that. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, Beijing has basically signaled uh, to Macau and said that we want you to diversify your economy, and and we want you to change, uh, you know, however you market yourself, but we want more family-friendly entertainment. And I think Studio City is a really, you know, being the newest opening, I'm pretty sure, in the area, is a really good example of that, because... Uh, you have, for example, you know their golden reel, figure eight Ferris wheel, highest in the world at 130 meters. Uh, What's a figure eight Ferris? Anyway, yeah, look at the pictures <laughs> and you'll see it. It's incredible. I'm gonna Google. And uh, also, there's you know they have the House of Magic. It's three separate theaters with magic shows running seven days a week. They have a Batman Dark Flight ride, which you would absolutely love. I would I'm totally sure. love to do that. Uh, it's like you know, it's like an interactive uh, amusement ride. Essentially, they have their Pasha Macau nightclub. They have a huge event center with 5,000 seat capacity for concerts, theaters, sports, award ceremonies. Uh, they have a 40,000 square foot arcade and playground for kids, which I'm probably sure I would love to. Oh, it's like part of the center of the building. I'm looking at the exactly. Ferris wheel. Yeah. And um, and another a big thing is, you know, they're going to have this thing called the, Boule- the Boulevard. It's supposed to kind of recreate New York street shopping, but in an indoor setting. 377,000 square feet when it's when it's finished. Right now, they're kind of still building that out uh, as uh, retailers move into the space. Mm-hmm. And, I, over, and um, so, like I said, only 250 gaming tables, 1,200 slot machines. You know, not that much compared to some of the other properties in Macau. And so, all those other things that I mentioned is this shift in terms of where hopefully their revenue is going to be coming from from the resort. But 
you know, when I say that, I I don't want to I don't want listeners to believe that it's like an even split. Still, the bulk of every one of these businesses, their revenue is coming from the casino. Got it. Okay. So uh, now this is the one um, I'm interested to get your thoughts because I knew the most about the City of Dreams, which opened in 2009. Yes. Um, that's not terribly big, but it was just, um, that was started right before the stuff happened. So they've been doing well, but did you get a read on how they're performing lately? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, they announced their fourth quarter results and uh, at least for, uh, net revenue was about $669 million. Unsurprisingly, it's down Mm -hmm. year over year, about 25%. Uh, so non-gaming revenue, uh, made up about ten percent of that number, so you can see how much it's right. still focused on the sure. casino. But that's up from eight percent in the year ago quarter. And the thing is, Studio City though is a very different picture, where non gaming revenue was about thirty seven point eight million of total one hundred twenty three point two. So it's about thirty percent is non gaming. Whereas so City of s- Dreams was built for the rich millionaire that comes in there to Yeah, not only was it built more so focused on the gaming side but on the VIP clientele as well. Yeah. Uh so Studio City that 30% split coming from non-gaming is uh, gives you an inclination of It's a big divergence for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Um and you know, though the Studio City was only open for about two full months in that quarter, uh, the resort generated about $123 million, adjusted EBITDA of $12.6 million, and those numbers will certainly go up as the resort ramps up its operations, right? And uh, you know, moving on. So the next resort that is coming. So this is the drum roll. This is the this one. I will say is pro- you know a lot of people will associate the name who we're talking about now is Wynn Resort. Steve Wynn. Is- well, yeah. So that's what I uh, wanted to say. It's your friend of mine, Steve Wynn, but um, he's famous, and he recently made comments on his conference hall how they he considers Wynn to be a high end premium brand that markets to the millionaire that comes in there to play baccarat or whatever um so what's is is he towing the line and doing what china wants him to do with this thing or what's he is i think there's a balance but you're absolutely right uh brand name in terms of the brand name and in terms of the way they're building out the resort it's still going to be very much a uh luxury resort and catering to that kind of clientele uh so Wind Palace is what's going is what is currently under development. It's a four point one billion dollar project. Uh, Wind Resorts, their stock, it's just to kind of paint the trend for you, is down fifty five percent since the downturn began. Same as uh, very similar, yeah. um, but they are actually up forty percent year to date. And so they were down even more, is what you're talking. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you know that's after a forty percent run so far in 2016. Uh, so the Wind Palace uh, is projected to open in, I believe, this summer. There's been several construction delays. Uh, so I think it was June, and it actually got pushed out again to August. And so 1,700 guest rooms projected. Uh, there's going to be this performance lake, eight acres. As Good an attraction, um, and again, if you look at you know the, a lot of the marketing behind it, it's, they are very focused on dining, retail, meeting spaces, and uh, in a recent investor presentation, the company is projecting, the, depending on the market share that they can claim on, on the strip, about six hundred to six hundred thirty million to eight hundred fifty million dollars in adjusted EBITDA at this property, which essentially doubles their base right. in Macau because they only have one other resort, which is the Win Encore. Uh, that opened in 20, 2006. There was an expansion in 2010. Um, just to give you an idea, so you know Macau recently has placed a cap on these new resorts and how many uh, table games they can install 
Mm-hmm. But whereas at Winoncore Macau, it's about 450 gaming tables, 708 slot machines. These new resorts are probably going to get about 250 gaming ta- uh, oh, table wow. games per. And that's one of the ways that China is kind of like, okay, stop it with the game. I think more. they're just trying to uh, – the um, regulatory body in Macau is just trying to balance, keep things balanced. And the thing is these companies can reshift their mm-hmm. tables from one property to another. So it's not like it's static. Okay. But it just gives you an idea that it is a smaller base. That's why Studio City, even though it's the newest resort, doesn't have as many uh, table tables. games yeah. as City of Dreams. So, uh, you know, the Win Encore, which is currently open, only it's smaller in terms of its guest rooms, about 1,000, and has about 57,000 square feet of retail space. And uh, adjusted EBITDA in 2015 was $708.6 million, which is, represents about 60% of the total company EBITDA. And so based on those projections I mentioned for Wim Palace, again, it's about doubling the base for the region. And just something to keep in mind, too, in 2015, non-casino revenue made up about 20% of the top line at Win, So it's up from 21% the previous year and 20% in 2013. So again, you know, the company's kind of grappling with the changing dynamics and the fact that, uh, you know, the casinos are not going to be this incredible source of growth, bread and butter, that they were previously. So, um, you had Studio City Macau. It opened up last October. You've got Wynn Palace. It's about to open up this June, supposedly, although there have been August, sure. yeah. um, Got another one coming up, though. And There's it's... several more, but just for the sake of time, I'm talking. I'm focusing on the ones for 2016. Uh, so, the, the one that's coming later this year is really incredible. Just be, I've seen a lot of the pictures following the development. One of our writers, Bradley Seth, had some... Uh, He's probably been there. <laughs> uh, when he was based in Macau, he had some really cool pictures. But uh, it's the Parisian from Las Vegas Sands. So the Parisian Macau. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Las Vegas Sands, this is their $2.7 billion project. And Las Vegas Sands, you know, their, their, uh, their operating base is spread out through a, a, more regions. So they have Macau, they have Singapore, they have Las Vegas and other regions. So their stock is down about 35% since the downturn. I think they're just a little bit more diversified. And Well, uh, they do a very brisk business in Las Vegas on conventions. Yes. They have like 3 million square feet of convention space at uh, uh, the Venetian and stuff. It is massive amount of just convention space for meetings. But anyway, and I, I, I actually stayed with them when I was in Vegas a few years ago at the Palazzo. So there, uh, Las Vegas Sands owns a 70.1% stake in Sands China, which operates all these Macau properties. Does the government get the other cut or is it just locals? Yeah, you're giving me this so, like. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this all part of the deal. I don't know all the details in terms of, you know, the way the... Uh, Macau had auctioned off these rights when the monopoly ended, but right. it all has to do with the who's, way Whose beak are you going to wet there? Yeah. So, uh, the Parisians projected to open its doors in the second half of 2016. Again, there's been some construction delays. Uh, so, this one is really uh, big in terms of the guest room. So, 2,900 guest rooms expected. Which is uh, double the... Um Studio City, because that was 1,600. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about 1,700 over at Wind Palace. So the Parisians, a 800-pound gorilla in the room. I mean, that's, and touching that's a the, lot of And rooms. touching on those guest room numbers, you know, I'll get to that towards the end as we sum things up, how, how, why that's kind of important. So uh, they're expecting like 150 different retail boutiques and shops. Uh, again, 250 gaming tables, like I said, because of the cap that, the, that Macau's instituted. And uh, the, I think the coolest thing here, they're going to have a one-half-scale replica of the Eiffel Tower. Oh wow! There. So it's not going to yeah. be small like the one in Vegas. So they yeah. just put up. Uh, I think they just put up like the final piece of that, uh, the spire at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a you know a big ceremony for that. But 
Macau Properties contributed about 53% of adjusted EBITDA in 2015. So it's down from 60% in 2014 just because of the fact that the region's struggling. Uh, and casinos made up about 82 point, 82% excuse me, of net revenue in 2014. That fell to 78% in 2015. Um, you know, the casinos overall saw revenue fall 24% for the year. And uh, some smaller losses in uh, the casino revenue in Singapore at Las Vegas kind of were able to offset the larger declines in Macau. So uh, the Venetian and Sands Kotai, which is Las Vegas Sands, two other big properties in the region, they fell 29%, 33% respectively. So they're feeling the pain, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're you know definitely not uh, feeling in the si- experiencing the same downtrend as everybody else has. Uh, but the thing is, uh, they're... Uh, able to offset that a, a little bit more also in terms of Las Vegas coming in is with occupancy rates and average daily room rates were up in Vegas, kind of boosted their results uh, that they reported recently, and also in mall revenue. So they, Venice, shops at Venetian and shops at Kotai Central, huge retail spaces, and they posted high single-digit gains in 2015. It was a slowdown from the previous year, but again, a bright spot when you're looking at all this red in terms of the casino revenue. So, you know, kind of putting everything together here, you're, you know, the government uh, of Macau has forecasted another decline for 2016. Uh, it was, you know, if 20, 2015, it was 230 billion batakas. Uh, they're expecting for uh, 2016 is about 200. And then a lot of people are saying right now, you know, are things, bo- are asking this question at least, are things bottoming out? Uh, we've seen some of these companies, their stocks have recovered year to date. I think people, uh, because investors are getting bullish that, hey, especially with, you know, the the po- the more positive result in the beat in February, maybe this is the sign that things are going to be on an upswing. But that's really hard to say. There's a lot going on. And the thing, you know, with each new resort, you're adding a ton of supply. So, room revenue is often the second largest source of income after Aha, gaming. Therein lies the rub. And, you know, it's often the second largest source of revenue for these businesses. But the thing is, tons of new supply coming up soon as each property is completed. And uh, a trend that we've also seen is falling occupancy rates and falling average daily room rates. So, that hurts them. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people see it as a positive, but at the same time, you know, Studio City has the buzz right now because it's the newest. Then Wind Palace has the buzz because it'll be the newest, and that will absolutely and then in five be years it'll an incredible be, opening. Know. And then after that, you'll have the Parisian, and after that, you have MGM Kotai, and then after there's several new resorts coming in 2017 as well that we can cover in another episode. This is just the tip of the iceberg. So it seems it, to lend itself to the idea that um, maybe as a whole. Uh, the bottoms occurring or whatever, but per casino, yes. more pain may be coming. So the thing is, you know, are we going to reach those peaks that we saw in you know 2014? Probably not. Not for many, many years. So even if you say, okay, uh, I accept, I agree with the idea that the market is stabilizing and these losses are kind of stemming off, the market now is going to be spread again, again among more and more tables, right, yeah. more and more slots, more and more rooms, and that's it. Really makes you have to consider how these companies are positioned, and you have to look at each company now and really think like, are they, uh, you know, marketing themselves? Are they going to hit the segments that are going to be uh, the biggest money drivers for for each business? Yeah, and uh, I think that also has a lot to do with why Macau is capping. 
the number of table games, for example, at each new resort because otherwise it's just a larger and larger pie or it's being split you know right 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 exactly cool all right so bottom line uh the bottom may be in as for market as a whole but for shareholders of all these companies tread carefully (laughs) and also for me personally i this is i think macau is probably my top three places that i really would like to visit because it's just the development there is incredible, and I've heard so much about it from people who've been there who say it's it's worth the visit, even if you're not a, a gambler. Because, like I said, the entertainment options, the shopping, it's just it's definitely a sight to be seen. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Vince. Thanks, John. Have a good one. And if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool dot com. Again, again, that's industryfocus at fool dot com. As always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Vincent Shen, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!